Chapter thirty two of the Hall in the Grove by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. All mixed up. Other faces besides Robert Fenton's had been objects of study on the evening of Dr. Meredith's sermon. Dr. Monteith, sitting too far away from his son to watch the effect of the argument on him, albeit he thought much of him, gave special attention to Paul Adams. The play of feeling on that young man's face was marked. To Dr. Monteith it was puzzling. There was more than keen interest, more even than astonishment, though that was evident. There seemed also to be a feeling of incredulous dismay. The doctor, studying the changes, astonished at the display of feeling, became deeply interested, and at last resolved as soon as possible to have a talk with the boy. "'There is certainly more depth of character than any of us have given him credit for,' he said to himself musingly. "'How his face changes! I wonder what line of thought he can be carrying out. I declare I believe the boy is a genius in disguise.' It was an interest, born of this watching, that made the doctor suddenly desert his company at the close of the service, and wedge his way through crowds to reach at last Paul Adams' side.' well he said after they had walked a few steps in silence you were interested i saw this evening what do you think of such a sermon as that i don't know what i think the answer was prompt enough but was i might almost say moody in its tone dr monteith was bewildered didn't you like it he asked at length seeing that paul beyond that short answer seemed bent on silence like it there was no mistaking the energy in the tone and yet strangely enough there was not only energy but a sort of pent-up indignation dr monteith found himself utterly at fault in trying to discover the boy's mood and so was of necessity silent in return look here burst forth paul at last i'm all mixed up do you and folks like you believe all that that preacher said to-night I can speak for myself, Paul, and—well, yes, I can speak for a great company of Christian men and women, that we believe with heart and soul all that he said to-night. Then I'm just dreadfully mixed up, that's all. And there was a curious note of dismay in Paul's voice. The doctor's reply was full of questioning sympathy. I don't quite understand, my friend. What has so mixed you up? Perhaps I can help you. Why— said paul speaking rapidly eagerly i didn't know it i knew about mother of course how she was always reading the bible and thought it was a wonderful book and i knew they took texts out of it and had the sunday-school children learn out of it but i didn't know that great scholars thought it was grand and wonderful and all that why certainly said the good doctor with alacrity it is generally accepted as the most wonderful book that the world has ever known, or will know. How could it be otherwise, my friend, since it is the only book that we have from God? But Paul ignored the question, and burst forth with his dismayed astonishment. Then why in the name of common sense didn't we study it? I made up my mind back there that first night at the circle that I would know all there was in one book anyhow. I never had known anything about books, and I somehow decided that I wanted to. And I thought by the way you talked that that book about Rome was the most important one there was, and I went at it. 
It wasn't long before I found out that other books had to be studied too, and when I came down here it seemed to me from all the talk I heard that Latin was about as important as anything, and so I plunged in and gave every bit of time I could spare. And it seems after all that the most important book there is in the world Mother has had all the time, and I never read a page of it in my life. Now what I don't understand is why people who knew it was the book didn't tell us about it and set us at it as we went at Merivale, you know. I should know a good deal about the book by this time if I'd gone into it with all my might. Utter dismayed astonishment kept Dr. Monteith silent for a few minutes. Then he said, But Paul, didn't you know we studied the plan of salvation? That tells all about the Bible, and we gave as much and as careful attention to it as we did to Merivale. Oh, yes, said Paul, and the doctor wondered afterwards whether there could have been almost a sneer in his voice. I know we studied a book about the Bible, but it wasn't the Bible, you see. How was I to know that the book we were reading about in another book was the most wonderful book in the world? Fact is, I suppose it is because I am an ignorant fellow, but I thought likely that that book was ahead of the Bible, or you wouldn't have taken it up instead of that. Don't you see how it is, Professor? I never read any at all in the Bible. Nobody ever talked to me about it except Mother. It is the only book she ever reads, and I thought that was the reason she liked it. And I didn't know it was a grand book. The dismay in the tones was distinctly marked, and there was also a suggestion of feeling, as one who had somehow been defrauded of his rights. Dr. Monteith had never been so bewildered in his life. How was he to answer this ignorant boy who jumped at such strange conclusions, utterly unwarranted by facts? At least the doctor earnestly hoped they were unwarranted. By this time they had reached the latter's cottage, but he laid a detaining hand on Paul's shoulder. He could not let the boy slip away until his questionings had been in some manner answered. "'Come in,' he said earnestly. "'Come up to my study. I want to talk with you.' This is a new phase of the question to me, I must confess. Seated in the beautiful little study, by the green-covered table, under the shaded light, the doctor looked full into the earnest, troubled face of his visitor. Now, my friend, do I understand you to mean that the experiences which you have had with the circle led you to think that we gave the most important place to other books and shoved the Bible out? Well, I didn't put it that way but I'll leave it to you to know what a fellow is going to think. For most a year I heard talk about all the things we've been studying, and I never heard a word about the Bible, only as we would look into it once in a while when Walker copied from it a verse or two. I didn't think anything about the book, you see, forgot there was such a one. And when I came here, as I told you, I pitched into Latin because everybody talked about its being the foundation." I thought likely enough that the reason why I didn't know anything was because I hadn't got any foundation, so I thought I'd set to work and get one, and I've worked hard at it. But if what that man said tonight is true, seems to me I've begun on the wrong end, and haven't got the foundation after all. I'm all mixed up as I told you, I don't know what I think. You would have been sorry for Dr. Monteith, could you have seen his distressed face. 
he arose and began to walk back and forth in the little study pondering how he could best undo what his heart told him had been grave mischief actually he had helped to start this soul from the sandy foundation of human learning without so much as a visible attempt to set his feet on the rock as for paul he was astonished at the doctor's distress he had not expected that more than a passing kindly thought would be given to his perplexities he had not imagined for a moment that anything which he could say would have power to trouble professor monteith he watched the grave anxious face with a kind of awe for fully five minutes the silence lasted the boy meditating meanwhile how he could best express his apology and slip away when the doctor drew a chair close to his side and laid a quiet hand on his shoulder my friend he said i have made a grave mistake loving the bible as i do making it the guide of my life and my daily study as i do think what it is to me to have made upon you the impression that it is even second in importance in my eagerness to help you upward in my fear lest i should hurry you and so set you against the highest way i have been almost silent about the book too much have we left it out of our circle we have as you say studied about it instead of studying at the fountain-head but my friend while i have made this serious mistake and so seemed to put aside the first interests it has only been seeming paul i have prayed for you by name on my knees every day since i first invited you to join our circle i have asked the author of the bible to lead you through it to himself now what i ought to do next is to ask your pardon and the pardon of every member of the circle for misleading you and them the bible is first best purest highest incomparably above any and all other books god's own message to us paul if you would give yourself to its study long enough to find in it your saviour you would love it with all your soul your mother is right good mothers my boy are almost always right she is a good mother wiser in the true wisdom to-day than some of those who stand high do you forgive me for misleading you now it was paul adams almost beside himself coldness haughtiness lofty superiority always amused him and made him impudent no one had ever asked his forgiveness before dr monteith he said and his voice was low and husky i didn't mean i didn't think i wasn't finding fault with you i never had anybody like you and i well there's no use in trying to tell it but i kept on with merivale often and often when it seemed all bosh to me just because i thought i would like to please you but this talk to-night about the bible kind of took me by surprise and i said right out what i thought i didn't mean to blame you i know it my friend i know everything you would say there is no need for apologies on your part you have shown me a mistake that i have certainly made what i want to know is do you forgive me and will you give me a token that you do i'll do anything under the sun that you want me to declared paul with a sort of reckless earnestness very few people had influence with him but it may have been because very few had cared to win the chance of exerting influence the doctor who had studied his somewhat singular nature carefully 
took prompt advantage of the seemingly reckless promise. Then I am going to ask you to promise to study this wonderful book with the greatest daily care, looking all the time to find in it the history of your own heart and the saviour which that heart needs. I'll do it, said Paul, with strong emphasis in his voice. I'll do it, sir. I made up my mind to-night that it ought to be read if it is the kind of book he said, and I'll be glad to be told just how to read it. There's another thing, Paul. Are you willing to kneel down with me and ask God to forgive me for leading you astray? Can you credit the fact that in this Christian country, surrounded always by Christian people, Paul Adams knelt and, for the first time since his early childhood, heard himself prayed for? End of chapter 32